You can be seated, and as you do, grab your Bible and go with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Let me tell you where we're going to go here. Uh, Next Sunday, I'm going to be sharing um, more of a vision-type sermon for where our church is is headed in the future. Uh, I've got on my heart between now and 2030, I know that's weird to think about, but I'm sharing some things next Sunday, uh, more of a vision sermon. Um, And then October 22nd, we're going to dive back into 1 Corinthians. Our regular rhythm at Christ Community is to be preaching through books of the Bible, and we have been in a longer series in 1 Corinthians. We'll be picking up in the middle of chapter 6, beginning on uh, October 22nd. But today is very much this idea of a personal examination of our own hearts and lives. I've personally been reading, I started October 1st, reading through the book of Matthew really slowly. And I know I've said I'm reading in the book of Matthew, but I've got you in John chapter eight. So we'll go there in a second. I've been just slowly reading Matthew, examining, examining Jesus Christ, the kind of people that Jesus interacts with, the kind of things Jesus does and intentionally, the kind of words Jesus uses, paying close attention to every interaction he has with individual people, many of which could be represented in this room today. From those who have physical ailments, things like shriveled hands, diseased bodies, he, he interacts with the paralyzed, the outcasts of society, those with bleeding issues, even those, get this, even those who have by the world's standards been declared dead. Like he speaks to the dead and the dead obey him. to those who have more spiritual problems, things like the demon possessed, the sexually broken, one woman who has got all kinds of adultery going on in her past, all kinds of sexual immorality, sexual brokenness. You know, sexual immorality really defines this culture we live in today. That there is a worship of sex, a liberation of sex in our culture. The outcasts, the the religious elites, he, he addresses the religious elites, all the people who think they're perfect, who think they got it going on, who are trying their hardest to obey every rule there is. Jesus comes swatting even them. The, the upper class, the wealthy, in every interaction, Jesus has, he's got this one goal, to show them that the kingdom of God is here. He, he comes to show them that all these things that they're wrestling with, the physical, the spiritual, all of them can be made right. I mean, so so what does this mean? Jesus comes as one with immense power and immense authority. And what is he doing? He is 
declaring over these people healing, forgiveness, authority. He comes, in a sense, rolling back the curse that happened in the garden. The death entered in. Brokenness now exists. People end up getting old and dying. Physical ailments, all kinds of sinful dispositions and decisions that lead to all kinds of destruction. All these things are a part of our world. Wars, brokenness, fights. I mean, goodness, you can hardly have a political conversation without someone getting ticked off. There is so much brokenness everywhere you look. There are in the New Testament, in Matthew, there are um, various groups of people. There are the religious elite who are saying, stay away from the unclean, stay away from the sinners, stay away from those folks. Jesus comes along, stepping across aisles, seeing not sinfulness, seeing not physical brokenness, but he sees into their souls as people made in the image of God, as people who've been bitten by this, by the sting of sin, as people who are in need of hope and need of healing and need of forgiveness and ultimately in need of him. What does he do? He, he reaches out. He, he speaks with authority. He tells demons what to do and where to go and they obey him. He speaks healing over disease and flesh makes things new. He declares life to the dead. There, there is this power in Jesus, power to heal, power to forgive sin, power to save people. It's just an immense reality. When I put into perspective the actual power and authority Christ has, and then I just sit back and think about every worry I have. Um, you know, yesterday was my birthday. Happy birthday to me. And I'm sitting outside with Marcy last night at a fire. My kids are playing around. I turned 43, in case you're wondering. I know I look 32. And I said, Marcy, isn't this all so weird? Is any of this real? Think about that. Is any of this real? Think about history. Why are we together today with children and spouses and homes? To be born, to live, and to die. To never have it again. Is, and then think about the greatest worry you have today. And ask yourself, does it really matter? Do, does it really matter? What Jesus comes teaching us is that the kingdom of God is here. That the kingdom of God is for eternity. That the kingdom of God matters more than anything else this world offers us. That in Christ, there really is forgiveness. There really is hope. There really is eternal life that lasts. There really is a heaven and a hell. There really is an eternity that matters. And that is what actually 
matters in life. I was thinking, I, I really want to live to my fullest. I want to live for Christ. I want to know him. And, and it got me on this verse, John chapter eight. This is what Jesus says. And I want to ask you today to consider this with me. Notice what he says, verse 31 through 36. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, some Jews believed he was genuinely the Messiah. And he said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Here's what I want you to know today. Two things. The main idea is this. Those who know Christ abide in his word and live in his freedom. Those who know Christ abide in his word and live in his freedom. He says to abide in his word. Church, you and I are called to put our only hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ, to bank our lives in this generation, in your time, in your life, in his holy word, that we would take it into our lives as our only authority, that we would trust in him always, no matter what, that we would live for him with our words, our thoughts, and our actions, and that we would set a guard over our life that sin may not remain, but that we would remain steadfast in Christ, abiding in his word, abiding in his presence, abiding in his plan and purpose for our life. And that sin would no longer take up residence in us and that we would secondly live in his freedom. Live in his freedom. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What that means is simply is there is only one master of your life. You can no longer have mastery over your life, over your purpose, over your finances, over your future. All of those things die. They all die when you come to know Christ. They are dead and buried. Your will dead and buried. Your preferences dead and buried. Your desires dead and buried. And it's Christ and only Christ. So therefore we should not live in the old man, in the old ways, but live dedicated, holy lives to Christ. Je Jesus drew this hard line in the sand on those who were truly his. They uh, abide in his word. They live in his freedom. In other words, you cannot serve two masters. He said this in Matthew 6. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And he attaches this 
around money because money has such an important pull on our lives. Money often dictates the kind of lifestyles we live. It kind of dictates our own desires and what clothing we would wear, and what cars we drive, and what phones we would purchase, and all those things. Money's give us a sense of importance. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. The only importance you need is me. Is me. So here's my question today. Are you living in the freedom that Christ has purchased for you? Are you personally living in the freedom that's been purchased by Christ? Are you walking in freedom today? In Jesus Christ, sins have been forgiven, open confession, not hiding out in some sort of sin. Here's what I know. I, I just believe that our prayers are hindered if we're walking in sin privately. I believe the mission of God is hindered when we're privately hiding in sin. I believe all kinds of things are affected when there is sin hiding out in your marriage, in your home, that's unconfessed, that's not dealt with, or that's ignored. So I want to speak to three people today. First, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, and you examine your high heart, and you're like, man, I can't get my life head in the right direction. I don't know Christ. Today, give your life to Christ. Stand and just say, I, I declare Jesus today. I just trust in Christ today. I just declare him as my Lord today. Secondly, if you're here today and you're going, man, I, ugh, I know I've got some unresolved sin in my life. I believe that the Lord has ordained today and every person in this room and watching online, I know you're here for a reason and you're here on purpose and God has ordained it. I just believe it. He's working and speaking and, and this day is for you. And then there's others here who, who you're praying diligently for someone near you who is locked in sin, trapped in sin, and they, maybe they profess faith in Christ once, but no longer are they walking with Christ and you're burdened for them. We're going to move into a time of just simple invitation. And here's what's going to happen. I've got some of our pastors here, and then I've got a few of our women counselors. My wife will be down front and a few of our, our staff ladies to receive people for prayer. And we're going to move into this time of invitation to receive prayer, to receive people for prayer for various things. If you're here today and you're wrestling in sin, you know you're wrestling in sin, it could be bitterness. It could be that you're angry at the Lord. You're angry at your mom or dad. You're bitter for whatever reason. Maybe it's sexual in nature. You've had an affair. You're in an affair. You're addicted to things you should not be addicted to, struggling in pornography, other kinds of sexual morality. Maybe worldliness grips you. You live in the fear of your financial status, live in the fear of the future, live in the fear of like, I don't know where my provision's coming from. So you're always grasping to take hold of it yourself instead of just trusting it in the Lord's hands, trying to control things. Maybe that's you. Or if there's another sin that's gripped your heart, maybe it's unforgiveness, you just don't forgive. I wanna invite you right now to stand up. 
Just stand up. If you're struggling in sin right now, for whatever reason, just stand up. Thank you for standing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord. We're a family. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Who else? Just stay standing all across the room. Other people struggling today in sin, and I know it. I'm going to invite our pastors and some of the folks up, and we just want to pray over you. They're going to be down front, and I want to invite you to slide out. I'm going to slide over here, and our church is going to stand, and we're going to sing, Lord, I need you, and we're going to pray individually for each and every person who stood up today. You don't have to tell us what it is. We're just going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. And the Lord so leads you to respond as well and slide out and come receive prayer in these next few minutes. If you're standing, would you slide out and come down here? And we will pray individually for every person. Come on down. Come on down. All across. Come on down. Come on down.